Fresh Thinking is all about plugging your company's skills gaps more affordably and flexibly. So we make it easy for ambitious owners to plug their skills gaps sooner, flexibly and more affordably by providing experienced hands-on senior managers to small and medium-sized businesses on a part-time basis. It's flexible expertise to plug your skills gaps for much lower cost and much less risk than taking on a full-time senior colleague across four key skills areas, human resources, business development, marketing and strategy and planning. We're not an outsourced service, nor are we consultants, nor are we business coaches, but we work exactly like a top quality, high performing employee in your offices, just on a part-time basis. We do all the doing just like a normal employee. And what's more, we work without any contracts. Some people tell us that's fresh thinking. Hi, my name's John Horton. I'm one of the directors of Fresh Thinking. And I love to work with small and medium sized businesses on strategy and marketing. Hi, I'm Nicola Horton. I'm a director at Fresh Thinking and I enjoy working with small and medium sized businesses with their HR and strategy. Hi, I'm Ben Castell, director of Fresh Thinking. I work with small and medium businesses on business development. Today's podcast is about strategy and um, one thing which I think always brings us to life is football and one um, undeniable winners from last season were City. Let's think about it, Pep Guardiola. What? Manchester City and um, Let's face it, so they had great players, they had a great manager, but if it wasn't have been for their plan, then they would not have won the league. I've spoken about this before actually, it's quite interesting because um, we compared Manchester City to some other teams. Uh, Manchester City obviously have got the right ingredients, but what makes a big difference is the fact that they don't only just plan to win the league and whatever else they um, comes along the way in terms of cups etc, but also to have a plan each match to come up with a strategy for each match to see how they're going to win against their particular opponent. So that's one example where everything's coming together, a great manager, um, great team. Um, something a little bit closer to home for us is um, Sheffield United. I was born into a Sheffield United family, so have a um, kind of a bit, a bit of an attachment to them. Interesting that their manager is a lifelong United fan and obviously he has a lot of passion for the game and that's helped them. However, are they going to win the Premier League? Well, the fact that they're not in the Premier League doesn't help, but are they going to be winners in the same category as Manchester City? No, because they've got different traits and passion is not going to get you to the end result alone. So, moving uh, the analogy from football into, into the business uh, arena, um, I'd just like to start off by... Uh, touching on some really interesting research that was done by the University of Kent Business School a couple of years ago now into um, small and medium-sized businesses. And the, the sort of startling finding that came out of that was that, that there was a very limited presence of strategy in small and medium-sized businesses. Um, they, um, from the questionnaires that they got back from, from those businesses, 50% uh, of them said they went into the, each new year without a written-down strategy. Uh, which is an incredible, uh, incredibly high figure. But actually what, you, what was really interesting was they went back to the 50% who said that they did have a plan. Um, and on closer inspection, they found that only 10% of those 50% actually could produce a strategy. So when you add it all together, it means that 95% of small and medium-sized businesses start each new year without a written-down plan of, how, of what they want to achieve and how they're going to achieve it that year. 
I was just going to say, gosh, can you imagine if that was in the football world? How, so Pep Guardiola actually sits down and goes, right guys, we're just going to kick a ball around this season, Absolutely. see where it gets us. It's the same kind of thing as that, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, not, not knowing what you want to achieve or how you're going to achieve it um, just means that you're going to be sort of meandering from you know, all over the place, really. Um, and it's interesting the two reasons why, very interesting thing, the two reasons why uh, business owners said they didn't have the, or didn't write a strategy. One was that they didn't feel they had the time, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? Because actually they need to make the time because uh, actually they'll make their business more successful. So they didn't have the time to do it. Uh, and the second one, which is perhaps a bit more understandable, is they felt they didn't have the skills to, to write a strategy each year. Um, and also a combination of the two, time and skills. So those are the two main reasons why, why business owners uh, started each new year without a plan that they were going to follow. Gosh, just think about it. The time that's actually going to keep you on track and to have an appreciation as to what direction you want to head in. It's unbelievable to think that people can't say that they're going to have you know, the time to do it. It's, it seems extraordinary, doesn't it, almost? It does. And particularly when you look at kind of the other side of the research uh, that uh, the University of Kent Business School did, and what that was actually looking at the um, how more success, how much more successful the businesses that did bother to make a strategy or plan were, and what they found was that on average they were thirty percent more profitable than those businesses that didn't make a plan. Um, so uh, the potential for significantly greater ongoing profitability. For actually for the sake of a relatively small amount of time each year you know you, you don't spend months and months writing your plan you probably spend when you actually had it all together uh, probably about 10 days so 10 days out of the whole financial year could actually drive your, your profits up by as much as 30 percent each year i guess that's just one measure of the profits isn't it but i wonder how much time and resource and energy is wasted by going down the wrong track or deciding partway through the year oh actually this isn't the direction we should be going in we need to change and so that's that's a very poor use of the time that you could have spent actually planning ahead. It's interesting. It, it, it is actually. Um, that's a very good point you make because the uh, another important purpose of making a strategy is actually un to help businesses understand what they shouldn't be doing. Yes, of course, the bulk of a, a strategy and plan is, you know, these are the big opportunities for us that we should be following. But actually, it is also about understanding that's not a very valuable opportunity for the, for our business. Um, maybe you know that activity isn't valued by customers. It's not worth doing. Um, yeah, perhaps it's not going to create much value for your company. So a strong, strong strategy, as you say, does definitely help you make the right choices and the right decisions, um, and it, it stops you wasting time and money on things that you shouldn't be doing or or things you should that you currently are doing that you should stop doing. I guess as well, it's about not you know as part of us the strategy um, work and and doing that plan is almost saying where are we now as well as where do we want to get to it's that you know understanding what our competitors all those kind of things are doing then if you don't stop and look at that when do you do that mm. it's very i think people get a little bit internalized don't they almost looking the day to day without thinking hang on a sec where are we what's where, you know where are we in the market where are we compared to um, the companies that we either compete with or want to be like other than profits, John, what what other benefits of, of of the strategy, other of creating a dynamic strategy? Um, there's there's actually a lot. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, it is about in usually about for a business about growing the profits, but um, you know, a strong strategy is all about value creation. It should it should be delivering growth 
uh, and it should be enabling your business to get to the next performance level much sooner than it would without a without a plan. For me, one of the one of the biggest things about writing, taking time to write a strategy, is the fact that it gives you competitive advantage. Going back to uh, the University of Kent research, if you've got ninety five percent of businesses, small and medium sized businesses, not making a strategy each year, then by the very fact that you do, it gives you a big advantage over. A lot of your competitors who are who are almost certainly not making not making a strategy, so a great view, a much greater opportunity to outstrip your competitors sooner. Um, it also gives real clarity, you know, and I think that's important to the to your colleagues, isn't it? Actually, uh, one of the real uh, reasons to uh, take time to write that strategy is to is so your 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 teams, your colleagues understand where the company is going, um, because often if you're working in a company where that's not clear. It can be um, a bit demotivating, or you know, you, if colleagues can't see how their performance is contributing to the overall company performance and pushing in the right direction, uh, then it, it can often feel not, you know, not like a great place to to work in. Really, it, and it's not motivating. You speak no. to people if they if they don't have a real um, feel for how their contribution helps the business overall. They don't know whether they're, what they're doing is the right thing, no. and yeah, I, I think that's when you get quite you get teams that don't work in the right way it also means that you could have several team members all trying to do their best but going in a slightly different re direction so it doesn't make it people efficient at all yeah um another uh, two more uh, that spring to mind one is um sounds like a bit of a boring moment about reducing risk actually by having by having a strategy mm -hmm. understanding what you're doing you're reducing the risk of doing the wrong things uh, and causing uh, problems for your business so there is a real risk management element to strategy perhaps not the interesting side of strategy but it's a, it's, a, it's a very valuable benefit that comes out of it. I'm not sure there's many business owners that are called de-risking boring. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think that say that's probably quite an attractive thing. Yeah, but perhaps perhaps something they don't think about uh, too yeah. much maybe. Yeah. To, yeah, but you're right. Um, and the final one is about momentum I think, um, you know, creating, sitting down, involving a lot of people from the business to, to create that strategy really gets that momentum going each year, you know, because Particularly if you're trying to achieve quite, if you want to grow and you're trying to achieve quite strong targets, you know, by the end of the year you can feel, you know, yes, if you've achieved your targets, proud of that, but actually quite tired. So thinking down, taking time to step back and creating that strategy reinvigorates and gets that momentum going again for the for the next year and, and carries that over. I think the key what? is actually the process then, isn't it? The process of yeah. doing the strategy in itself will bring so much good stuff into um, people's minds and thinking about right this is why we want to go in this direction it will uh, for me there's almost as much richness in the process as there is in the output of, of the strategy because um, for, for two sides really for the business owner and then for actually for the colleagues in the business so starting with the business owner um, it's so important as a business owner that you take the time to, to get to take that step back from the business um, you know, it can be quite difficult to do, can't it, if you're really busy with a day-to-day -day working life. Uh, but actually, the busier you are with that, the more important it is for you to take that step back and, and, and look at your strategy for the next 12 months, because um, otherwise you could be missing the bigger picture, you could be missing lots of opportunities that uh, you should be taking advantage of. Um, so, so taking that time to step back and see things differently with, with fresh eyes, I think, is, is invaluable for business owners. Yeah, I and mean, you know... As, as business owners, we, we all face the moments where we kind of think, what on earth are we doing this for? Why? And so actually being able to step back and say, of course, this is why we're doing it, whether it be through the process or as the outcome of, you know, this is this is our plan. Um, 
it helps us refocus. Absolutely. What was the what was the catalyst, John? What, was there ever a one moment where you you thought, right, I need to really be focused on strategy now, or and and really feel that strategy is part of me? When 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 was that? When did that time arrive? Uh, strategy has always been part of me uh, because um, it, all the way through my career, because I've been working in businesses and, and running businesses where strategy has been an essential part, and there's always been a a strong um, sort of annual strategy process and we've seen the benefits from that. Uh, the main reason why I'm really uh, keen about it now is because um, in 2009 I was put into a failing business, uh, appointed as the MD of a failing business to turn it around and there's no way we would have achieved that without a strategy. We had to understand, well I was going to say what's working, what's not working, most of it wasn't working so we actually had to, but there were some things that we had we could build on. For example our people uh, were really was, was essential for us, it's pretty much the only asset we had. So we really built a lot of things around that, building a top quality team. But we, So we built the strategy in the early years around that because we didn't have much money to play with. Uh, but then every year we, we, we took time as a senior team, but also across the business as well, our colleagues right across the business, so not just for the senior team. And we, we worked through what were the priorities for the business for the next 12 months that we wanted to achieve. You know, the financial priorities, but also the activities that were going to deliver that. Um, so that's really where... Uh, I saw massive benefits of, of, of creating that annual plan uh, and seeing it to fruition. We'll, we'll come back to leadership later, but for me that's about um, leadership. And, you know, you, you think of the situation you described, going into somewhere, and you've got to get the team behind you, because without them you can't make it happen. Um, you've almost get, you've got to give them something to understand and, and right, okay, yep, we're with you. Absolutely. And that comes out of the strategy. It does, and it comes out of involving all of the colleagues in the strategy. Yeah. Of course, you know, if you're in a business with 40, 50, 60 people, you can't have everybody sitting around the table in a workshop thrashing out strategy, so you have to involve them in a different way. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's not just for the senior team to, uh, to, to create the strategy. Of course, they, they are the leaders, but, and they, sh they should take the lead on that. But it's about getting the ideas from all of the colleagues in the business through, through their team leaders into, into the overall strategy process because they've got lots of ideas and when they see that happening you know that will significantly motivate them they will it will really get their buy-in it will want it will make them get behind the, the strategy that you're creating and they'll feel ownership of that and it will drive them to, to higher performance so successful implementation of strategy is, is cultural it's got to involve the whole of the company uh, and there's an interesting fact out there which 70% um, of, of change initiatives in businesses fail because of people um, yeah. And that's and that's yeah. So it's not about the fact that the idea was a bad one. It's because the people are not behind it. Um, I see that as well. I see that people forget that bit. So you, I, you know, you come across business owners who've got a fantastic idea and are very passionate about it and have a clear plan, but they've not taken the time to involve their team in it. So it fails. Absolutely. And they end up yeah. getting very frustrated, and they often end up thinking they have the wrong team. And it's you know it pr pr could easily not be the case of having the wrong team. It's just that you haven't involved them, yeah. or you haven't even just got them on board to say, "Come on, folks, this is the direction we're going in." Yeah. So no, no strategy can ever work without the enthusiasm and belief of the whole team, and and how you involve if you've got fifty people, how you involve the rest of them is that once working with the team leaders and the senior team, you've created that strategy. You then. Uh, get everybody together in small groups so you have 10 people and then you, you talk through the strategy that you're looking to do as for the company for the following 12 months but do it in a way that doesn't look like a fait accompli that actually they've got a chance to contribute more chuck in their ideas as well uh, so it doesn't look like the finished article and then 
you know, you're getting the, the ownership and buy-in of all 50, 60, 70 employees through that process. Just going back to the football analogy, obviously the, the, the longer-term plan, but also I'm thinking more like pre-match plan, is that I'm sure that there's involvement from the team. And the last thing that it could ever work is that the manager has a great plan for that match and then doesn't communicate to the team. The ones that's actually going out and kicking the ball around and it's exactly the same in a business because if you don't get that team to understand which direction you're going in how on earth do you expect them to do their day-to-day -day job absolutely so should we look at where strategy starts from now what we think the starting point is for strategy go on then <laughs> <laughs> give us your insight <laughs> i for I, th I think the starting point for strategy is all around competitive positioning. Um, for any, uh, and this applies when you're starting a new business as well. So it, it's, it's, it's not just uh, uh, about your strategy each year. It's, it's if you think about starting a business, and um, you know, around this, I you know, I agree wholeheartedly. It's important to quote uh, Michael Porter of Harvard Business School, who's a highly regarded U.S. academic, uh, and he he's written a lot about strategy and competitive advantage, competitive positioning. Uh, and he considers strategy as, as uh, starting from defining what your competitive positioning is. You've got to choose to want to deliberately be different. Um, and, you know, organisations can only succeed um, if they understand how they're different and how they're unique from their competitors and then sustain it over a long period of time. So, and sustainability is, is the key. So competitive positioning is not something you do once, whether you're setting up a business or you do it in, your, in the first strategy that you're doing. You have to look at it each time because obviously the markets change, the your competitors have changed in that twelve months. So you need to reassess your competitive positioning uh, during the strategy process each year. It's not right. I've done that tick, and then I can leave it for the next five years. You know, doing that analysis or doing that work around competitive positioning, I think, is always a good place to start with actually understanding what is your business about. Mm. And um, it, this is just. Uh, when we were chatting about planning a couple of weeks ago with, with some uh, business contacts and their example was what are McDonald's in business for and obviously people think it's fast food but they're not, they're property they're investment, investing in property all the time and you, suddenly you can just imagine the guys at McDonald's thinking about their strategy they have to understand that before they even start to come up with a plan and I think often businesses kind of think oh yeah this is what I do but until they start looking at their competitive positioning they don't actually they can't actually define it so that in itself is something um you know we've done it ourselves haven't we in terms of understanding what we're about and yeah. exactly how how we are different and by doing that suddenly everything falls into place it makes it so much easier it also makes it easier to explain to people about what you're what you're about and what you do it's interesting to some of actually i'll say because many years ago when i was working for um a large financial organization when we did the planning process, McDonald's were held up as a great example of, of actually where we were trying to define what we were about. Oh. And um, lots of people, of course, said food, restaurants, you know, and also, and actually at the time, McDonald's positioning was all around family entertainment. Oh, so it was okay. actually nothing to do with food. But Ronald had a part to play. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it was nothing to do with food at all. Yeah. Their, 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 their raison d'etre was family entertainment, and then they just built the things around it. So therefore, yeah. yes, of course, the food element, the Happy Meals, but then actually how their restaurants looked and, and, and the, the goodie bags they gave out, crayoning and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So it's all about family entertainment at the time. Of course, that yeah, was many years ago. Things yeah. have moved on since then. Yeah. But it is about not going for the obvious. Competitive positioning is, is not about going for the obvious. It's, it's really 
to really understanding uh, something different. So in that large financial institution that you just referred to, what was the, what was their, <laughs> what, okay, I won't go there. What was their? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> what, what, what were they in, what were they in, what were their, what was their business about? Well, they were a bank, and my, my biggest issue with banks is that they never spent enough time on their competitive positioning, and they actually okay. didn't get it right, because okay. what you could end up doing with banks, you could, at the time it was literature, and it was, it was before social media and things like that, yes, I'm very old, um, but um, you know you could take each bank's literature, the four big banks, and you could just remove the logo and replace it with another logo, yeah. actually, because they were all the same. So banks at the time were a very good example of <coughs> not spending enough time and money on competitive positioning. Unfortunately, I was in... A more junior position there, and I didn't have the influence to no. to convince the bank to spend the time on competition. But it was a good example where they're, they're all the same. And to, and do you to, see today, they almost same? are the same. I was going to yeah. ask if yeah. you, obviously being from that world, whether you saw there was any difference. Can you think of any well-known <clears> businesses that we can all that we all know that um, have kind of been clearer about that? Don't come think, back to me on that one. <laughs> I think it's I think it's, a, it's it's an interesting one because you know I I I see many me me too businesses who they're selling the same stuff in the yeah. same way on the same high street. So I think how, about how, mobile phone providers, I think it's the, the same stuff, phone companies. It? What's the difference between Orange E, yeah. Vodafone? You know, for me, it, it's a, it's a, a way of calling your mates. It's a way of keeping yeah. in contact with your friends. And the only thing that separates them is is price and customer service. But is that something? You know, strategic. Yes, it's something strategic that you, that you can affect. But if you're going to mar- as as like a, as a marketing tool, can you discuss your the way that your uh, the the way that you treat your customers as a point of difference? Because surely it's it's it's, it's different days, individual it? to individual. So you might speak to one customer service team member who's brilliant. You might speak to another one that doesn't get it and who's not bought into the the company ethos. And you know, can you use that as as something to go to market with? When you know when there's so when there's so little points of difference, I guess doing the competitive positioning, you have you almost you have to know who your competitors are in the first place. Again, not an easy, not, it's an obvious thing, but not an easy, easy thing. In the example there, when we're talking about phones, they know who their competitors are, don't they? But in McDonald's, if they're about family entertainment, who are their competitors? So it's not necessarily. I know, wimpy probably back in the day. They probably were. Wow. <laughs> I'm wow. showing my age, yes. No, but it's true though because it's, it's like, you know, understanding who you are competing with. Maybe not be the obvious ones. That's and that's why understanding what your purpose is is key, isn't it? Because yeah. then that's understanding what your com- competition is about. It's, it's not the obvious ones on competitive positioning. So you take a pub. A pub's competitors are not other pubs. Yeah. yeah. It's supermarkets. One, one, it's supermarkets yeah. where you can buy yeah. alcohol much cheaper than pubs. And, and so restaurants. on, and, yeah, and restaurants. So it is. Yeah, you're right. You've got to understand who your competitors are, and it's not always the immediate obvious ones. Mm-hmm. There will be some obvious ones, but you've mm. got to think uh, more laterally than that, really. Mm. Um, but it's really it's it's essential to know your starting point is how are you better than and different from your competitors. Uh, that's got to be at the heart of your strategy. But it's got to be around things that uh, are valued by customers. There's mm. no point in being different in things that are not important to customers. So you've got to understand what's important to your customers and build the differences. Your competitive positioning around that. I, and I guess as well, uh, just coming back to what Ben was just saying, is that it's what is what is a given. So people talk about great customer service. That's an expectation in today's world. Um, so yeah. that's not good enough. No, it isn't. That's not something not which USP, makes you. No, not at all. No. The, well, there's plenty of people that still don't get it, but yes, it's yeah. not. Competitive positioning um, is made up of two parts. Uh, the um, there's, there's first of all your central theme, which really should be just one sentence about 
which sums up of how you are better and different than your competitors. That's very hard to get to, but it's really, really powerful because then actually all your colleagues can get it and from that everything flows. So one sentence about how you're better and different than your competitors and then you flow that through to the value proposition, which is four or five areas, more detail, um, which are the value creating elements that you possess that your competitors don't. Uh, and it's really important that those are written practically because all too often they're a theoretical exercise, but actually those should be written in a way that salespeople can use in conversations with customers, that all of your colleagues can really get and understand and actually drive their uh, activities and behaviours on a daily basis. Um, so the, the value proposition is really, um, really key. And one other thing before we move on from credit positioning, I think, which is important to bear in mind, is that competitors can only copy mm. the outside of your business. Um, so really build your competitive positioning and your strategy around things that they can't copy. So people is extremely, if you've got top quality people in every role with the right skills, behaviours that can do things that other people can't in your industry, you've got a massive competitive advantage in your people. Um, product and service innovation, they can only copy product and service innovations once you've launched it. So if you, underneath underneath the parapet, so to speak, if you've got a, a really strong new product, new service uh, development program going on, okay, so you launch a new product, new competitors see it, but actually, and they'll then be spending time trying to copy that to catch up, but actually by the time they've done that, you then launch your next product and next service. So you keep innovating faster than, than everyone else can. Um, customer experience, which is sort of what we've talked about around customer service, isn't it? Um, that's all about continuous improvement. If you've got continuous improvement going on in your company where you've got all your colleagues focused on making things better for your customers and you've got, you know, I like the idea of a love your customer program, um, people are really focusing on activities which we can launch, which will really show our customers that we love them. If you've got all that going on, that's extremely hard to copy until, again, you launch things into the marketplace. This is, this is a perfect area, I think, to involve the wider team because we're all customers in some capacity or another. And, um, you know, that's one, I think it's a one topic where you can really get the team engaged because you can say, what do you see as great customer service? Not just for what you think our business should give in terms of great customer service and experience, but what have you seen yourself? And I, th I often find that as a topic which really gets the conversation going and people can say, this is what's important. And of course, you've got teams that are customer f uh, facing all the time and they could think of something really simple, which actually, now the, my feedback is X, Y, Z, and suddenly that's something which uh, is really valuable to you. So just an example where you don't have to come up with all the ideas yourself as the business owner. It's about involving that wider team and, and really valuing what they, they've got as their own experiences and thoughts around what they're seeing day to day. That's absolutely key. There's, they, that's why we talked earlier to me about involving your team because the, often you'll find um, most, of the, most of the good ideas, the fantastic ideas that you need are within your teams already. So just, just create the space where that can come to the surface and actually that will feed uh, a lot of your a lot of your strategy each year. Also, you know, it's about what you need to do as opposed to what you think you should do. You know, I, I, I think of a, a colleague that I worked with many years ago who, who was a sales director and, you know, internally we might think, oh, let's come up with this really great idea to wow the customer. And, you know, he, he would say, actually... This is what's important to them. They're not really interested in that part of it. And it's again, it's about involving the wider team. Everyone's got a different perspective. Um, and to see, there's no point in spending a lot of time and effort on trying to create this value around something the customer doesn't really care about. No. I had a great example of a, of a sales manager many years ago as well who um, he took me to the side. Uh, this was 
probably around 10 or 15 years ago now. Took me to the this side and I had, cool. a, had a hundred, not quite, but I had about, roughly about 100 spending customers. Uh, some of them were spending a lot more than others. Um, and this, my sales manager's point was to try and you know, make, help me understand how, uh, how I'd increase the spend of my, my other customers. Uh, and he asked me a simple question. He said, right then, your top, your top spending customer, he says, uh, what's his name? So I went into his name, he says, um, how much do they spend? So I said, how much do they spend? What categories do they spend in? So I said, how much ca- in what categories do they spend in? I said, where does he play golf? I say, oh, he plays golf here, he plays golf there. Uh, what else do he do? And I said, oh, he's got this, these kids, that kids. And, I said, and he said, right, okay. So you've told me all this information about your top spending customer. Now, let's look at your hundredth spending customer. He, says, he said, what's his name? Uh, I couldn't even tell you his name, you know, and, and I didn't, I, I couldn't, certainly couldn't say where, he, where or if he played golf, I certainly couldn't <laughs> say how many kids he's got or what names they were or where they went to school. And his simple point was, you know, just customer experience and it is about just help, you know, becoming, be, mm. knowing and trusting that mm. person well enough to give them your, your hard earned money. Yes. Um, and obviously there's a lot of other bits that are involved as, as well, but that's essentially the, the, the first and the hardest part to, to crack in, in my in my eyes, just that you know, just knowing someone inside out, knowing why they buy, where they want to buy, and, and what it means to them if they can't buy. You know? I mean, that also says to me is you might already be doing some great stuff, but you might not be doing it consistently, or you know, you might not be doing it to all your customers or whatever. And there could be some good to come out of that by just again focusing on what's important in terms of your competitive positioning to say actually we're really good at that already. We're just not doing it across. Everybody that we need to be doing it across. Anything else on competitive positioning? Um, well, just I wanted to pick up on something you said earlier about um, the example of the sales director, because the other thing that's critical to go into competitive positioning, and also again, is, is hard for your competitors to copy, is around market knowledge. So if you've got uh, your sales team out there and, and lots of colleagues actually who are feeding in insights and trends and competitor awareness. And also picking up Ben's point around knowing your customers and what the customers want. Mm-hmm. That's that's absolutely essential to go in everything that you do in terms of strategy, mm-hmm. flowing through to new product development, new service development, all everything that you do. Um, and if you can really do that um, uh, to a really high standard, then lots of your competitors will not be doing it, and you will uh, you will push yourself forward a lot more for, a lot further. I always remember years and years ago working with a, a probably one of the best sales directors I've ever worked with, and. He knew everything about everybody, and it used to become a bit of a joke, and it was unfair really, but you know, he wouldn't just tell you about this company are about to do this project and we need to be in there. He'd be like, oh, and you know, he'd know everything about the family and that, and you kind of think that he was about building relationships, but without that knowledge, we wouldn't have been able to get into that project at the right moment, it was in the building sector. So, you know, with that, it was all about timing, but he understood the longevity of building all those that information in his head and actually knowing those facts and building the relationships so early that we were the first company of choice when it came to that stage in the project. So yes, he was he was good at that. So that's competitive positioning. Um, before we, uh, we're going to talk in a bit about the structure of how you structure creating a practical strategy, uh, which would be interesting. But before we get that, we want to talk about one other key thing that has to go into, uh, that needs to be in place, isn't it, really, before uh, you create your strategy, and that's all about leadership. Yes. Um, creating a compelling strategy really requires strong leadership skills, doesn't it? Uh, starting with the business owner and the senior team, but um, then spreading out to your team leaders. But it's key, isn't it? I think, 
let's not underestimate the the strength of a leader going again I will stop talking about Manchester City eventually but the point was is that that's a, that's about that's about the um about the strong leader isn't it yep you know and again thinking about people that um I've, I've worked with and met is without that it doesn't matter what your plan is if you're not able to create that team who want to follow that plan and follow you it's impossible so uh, you know the skills of of leadership and not just about the process of creating the strategy and the plan, the ongoing, um, com- you know, the continuity of that, but also to encourage the team members um, to be able to participate. Again, it's, it's all those skills around it. You know, someone comes in and say, right, this is what we're going to do, this is my plan, without working with the others, then they'll just think, right, okay, we're here to follow his plan. Don't take ownership of it, do they? No, that's, that comes down to listening, isn't it, I think. Listening is is almost the key um, quality, particularly when you create strategy of, of leadership, isn't it? Because if you don't listen to, we talked about lots of the ideas that you, you should be pursuing as business within your teams already. So if you, if you don't listen to those, then obviously you're going to create a strategy that doesn't uh, capture those, capture the richness of those, and actually then your colleagues will not be fully behind what you want to do next year if it's, you know, if you've not listened to your colleagues, your customers, your competitors haven't built all that in. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing when, really knowing when to shut up and listen to people actually is, is key as a leader, definitely. Whereas some leaders, some people think they're leaders if they're talking all the time. Yes. But actually you've got to, you've got to understand when to shut up, listen and take and, and, and work with that in, in your strategy and other areas. I think that's probably the hardest thing for a lot of people to do as well, particularly when they're business owners, because they all feel like no one wants this business to succeed as much as I do, because it's my business. So actually, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier on, the people who are actually talking to customers on a day-to-day basis in a different capacity to what you are, they're going to have insight. And so you could easily go off down the wrong road if you don't listen to the rest of your team. But that is a skill in itself. But I, it's twofold, isn't it? A, you're going to get some really good information, and B, people are going to appreciate the fact that they've participated in that. Absolutely. So listening, uh, listening is one key quality. There's there's several more though. I think uh, we need to touch on, um, particularly when you're focusing on creating your strategy. Um, I think uh, uh, I mean, energy is 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 essential. Um, you know when you're when you're creating strategy and then giving direction to people, um, it's important that this is sort of more towards the end of the process, isn't it? When you've actually got your strategy and your plan and, and everybody's been involved in that, you've, you know, when you're communicating it out, you need to do that with energy and conviction because then that's uh, when people, it's the finishing touch almost, isn't it? The people, when people really get behind you and feel motivated and inspired about the, the direction of the company for the next 12 months. I think it has to be there at the start. If you, I mean, if you're going to do the first strategy, then you need to show energy around that whole thing because mm. often people feel a little bit daunted. They won't know what to expect. They might think, oh, well, I'm not sure how I can contribute. Are they going to listen to me? Is my is my view even worth anything? So to actually kind of get that positivity there and, and for people to understand why it's important, all those things come from the energy of the leader, don't they? They do, yeah, absolutely. And it's about inspiring, isn't it? It's also closely linked to inspiring your colleagues, mm. um, getting them excited about... So you're getting excited about the process of creating the strategy, the opportunities that offers for the company, uh, and then obviously excited about implementing what comes out of that uh, 
that rich process. Yeah, and it's an opportunity to, sh- to show them that, to show them why it's such an exciting time and to show them why it's so important and what the business is all about. You know, going back to the competitive positioning, you know, that that's so useful for everybody to suddenly think, oh, right, yeah, that's what we're here for. And that, that comes out of, you know, the leader being very, you know, having the opportunity to talk about, you know, what what we're here for and for them to, for, for the whole team to understand. What a, what a way to sort of re-energise your workforce as well. You know, I think there will be many, many small business owners out there that, have perhaps had people working for them for, for, for many years without much change at all and mm. they're kind of going through the humdrum and they don't really want to move on because they're scared of you know scared of changing jobs but actually you know just reigniting them in their own positions and giving them a new direction and a new challenge I think sometimes that can make make, make a real difference um, and it's it's a great way to get fantastic results without actually you know doing much else you know you, 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 you're just giving them a direction giving them that you know that that structure that they need to, to be the best version of themselves in, in their position. And I think that that's sometimes really powerful. I think as well, it's about uh, understanding really what the purpose of the company is and it not just being about lining the business owner's pockets. Because without that engagement from the team, they'll think, well, I can put all this effort in, but at the end of the day, so we can have a nice car. It's yeah. it's moving away from that. And for, for the whole team to think, actually, yeah, I've got a part to play here. I can get something back out of this in terms of being motivated in that. And yeah, I understand why my, you know, why this this person, my leader, has, has kind of built this business in the first place. Um, so it's, it's kind of making it about the company. Yeah, that's, that's a really important point. That's, um, that's the key quality that came out of all of the outstanding leaders that were in the book, Good to Great. Um, it was uh, all about... They, Jim Collins. Yes, thank you. It's when, um, when they, when they analysed what was behind the outstanding performance of the businesses that they looked at, um, the, one of the key things was that they found that they, they were all led by leaders who put the company first. Um, their, their desire and ambition were, were for the company and not for themselves. Um, and that's that's absolutely key. So it links uh, in, directly to what you were saying. It's really important mm. to understand. And that's you have to do that with. That's key for a strategy, isn't it? You, it's it's about pushing the company forward for the benefit yeah. of everybody. Yeah. Uh, and everybody can enjoy that success. It's not about pushing the company forward for your for your own personal gain and success. Mm. I think the the other thing we've talked about um, a bit, but just to re-emphasise. Um, is, is just creating that space for colleagues to act in, uh, nurturing that space for colleagues to act in. So uh, giving them space to generate ideas, you know, stimulate that, that invention, um, creating the right atmosphere for change, uh, those are all important things. And it, it picks up on sort of what Ben says, is that the great quality of a leader is, is, is almost not being, it's not being about being hugely visible in that respect, actually. If, if, if 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 a company got to the end of the year and everyone said, right, well, we've achieved that, uh, didn't we do well? Uh, and it's not, it's not well, we achieved that because our our boss was fantastic during the year. It's actually, you know, the boss the boss has created the space for everyone to really flourish, let the ideas come to the surface and and, and achieve the results. And and it's almost actually the more invisible the leader is during that year by achieving the results, the better because actually it's the team that's done it. And there's one thing that. Um I, I hear from business owners, and that's no one will care about this company as much as I do. And I, I say, no, you can, you're wrong there because if you get your team engaged, you know, get them as part of this process, then at your example there, getting to the end of the year, haven't we done well? That shows that they care as much as you do. Yeah. And you know, it's not too, not hard to imagine the benefits of that, is it? No.
So now we're going to look at the, um, the structure of creating a practical strategy for your business each year. And um, we've identified six um, key steps uh, that will mean that you'll, you'll, you'll create a, a really good strategy for your business and a, and a living action plan at the end. Um, step one um, is all about where is the business now? Where are we now? Uh, and this starts with simple questions really of things like how are we performing as a business? Um, just analysing what we're good at and what we're not so good at at the moment and what's worked and not, not worked in the last 12 months because although the strategy is um, you know, largely about looking forward it's, it's, it's important to analyse what's gone well so that you can do more of that in the, in, as part of the next strategy and also understand what hasn't worked so you can decide not to do that or, or change it in some way to make sure it works for your business. I think the key here is about what you look what you're able to measure and also what kind of useful information because often people have a perception about what's worked and what hasn't worked and now I'm a numbers person to get some analysis around that to actually say well this is what we've actually done there's always surprises for people it could be that they think oh that particular group of customers that they're good for us or they're just a complete pain in the bum um, actually, no, we may, you know, that they're the ideal customer type of thing. And, and that's, so doing that part of the exercise is, is really valuable. And I think often there's a few surprises along the way. You're absolutely right. This, this whole step one is all about being data driven. It cannot be gut feel driven. Mm. It can't be how we think this mm. went from a senior team member on the table. There's got to be facts and data put into it because as well as the as well as the data around the company performance, the other side of where are we now is data from the market and, and insight. Uh, and again, that's got to be factual information that enables you to have thoughts and ideas about what you should be doing as your strategy this year. So three things around that uh, are getting insight from the market, from your competitors, uh, from your customers. These are all um, the tools for turning raw data into, into really useful knowledge that you can identify opportunities. Um, and carry out a, an analysis, uh, an internal and external analysis. Lots of people have heard about SWOT analysis, um, and but you know, it's there's no, there's a there's a reason why it's always at the heart of people's strategies each year because it, it genuinely works. So, taking time to understand your the what's in your control, the strengths and weaknesses, and the opportunities, threats which are not uh, in your control, and getting them all out of the table. But then looking at the market industry as a whole through the pest analysis, political, economic, social, and technological. But not just listing points around those things. It's all it's always important to ask yourself, so what to all of the issues you've identified? There's no no point in just putting something up under political and actually it doesn't really mean anything for your business because it's not actually a valuable piece of, of information. So ask yourself, so what? And if something comes out of that, um, then actually it's it's something worth looking at for your strategy. But always focus on the high, prob high probability, high impact points around those. Don't look at things which are low low chance of happening and, and not really of importance. Um, so it's getting that focus right, but it's all about data. It is all about information. So information from the company, information from the market, your competitors and your customers. That's the starting point. Uh, yeah, I just I've just been working with a business and we're kind of looking at a plan and it was a fairly obvious thing, but you know, rather before they got wrapped up with, oh, our ambitions are to grow to this value, the first thing was to look at actually, well, what is the market worth? What's coming up? That they're, they're in um, kind of, uh, I guess, building sector in terms of projects. And 
it's such a valuable thing. There's no point in saying we want to grow to 20 million if the market's only worth 30 million or, you know, in that kind of environment. Absolutely. So, so by actually having that outward view, what are the opportunities? Whether that's a geographical thing or whether it's whole market or, you know, it, it just helps position everything, doesn't it, in that, in that early part of the process. It does. And, and we talked earlier, didn't we, about the um, competitors can only copy the outside of your business. And we talked about insight being key you know if you've if you've got great people in your business looking at gathering that market knowledge better than your competitors the insights and trends uh, and customer information better information then that's going to push you ahead of your competitors that's Mm. all in there um uh, it all in that step one it surprises me how often people aren't doing that they might they might come across a competitor sometimes when they lose out to them but they're not actually understanding what's happening in the market no Uh, and the We'll, we'll come on to a bit later about strategy not just being a one-off, once-a-year activity. You've got to be looking at it all the way through mm. the year, and that's, that definitely applies to competitor activity. Mm. You know, you should have a constant feed of insight into your business around competitors and, and what customers are up to. Because, you know, it's, if, some, if, if a major competitor does something six months into your strategy year, you know, you could be waiting another six months before you really bother doing anything about that. So you've got to have constant, constant knowledge of what's going on in the market. It's not just... It's important when you do your strategy, but then it's got to um, flow through the whole year. I think it just gets people thinking differently, doesn't it? It it's does. Just bit, it just makes them think. This, so, you know, and then to encourage that as being ongoing. But it's also really motivational and inspiring, I think. When, although I know it's a bit galling, you see one of your competitors doing something great, but actually it really, it really sparks off the ideas and gets your thoughts going. If they're doing that, well, maybe we could do that and do something better and different. Yeah. It's really interesting to see uh, what your competitors are up to and, and really gets that thought process going. Yeah. It was, it's also interesting getting um, business leaders into the same room and getting different answers from them as to who their main competitors are and, and to reasons why they feel that they're their main competitors. Because mm. often the, the even senior leadership teams don't have the same idea on uh, you know who, who those people are and, and what they're competing against. Mm. And I think you know as, as soon as that happens in the same room, ideas just get sparked left, right, mm. and centre. And I think mm. it's really healthy. Unfortunately, we, we come across too many businesses who are almost operating in a in a bubble and actually yeah. not looking at what's going on outside their business, and, and that's risky because it can lead to the wrong decisions yeah. being made, uh, putting time and money into things actually that's not going to go anywhere because your competitors are already ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So it's key. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step. Step two is is then starting to look forward about where do we want to get to as a business. Um, I think it's always a good place to start. Is you know. To think about why we do what we do, what is our purpose? Why do, why does this business exist? I think it's something we touched on earlier didn't we? when we talked about McDonald's actually, um, and then really evolve the conversation into what do we want the business to look like in in three years time. But but look at that from different standpoints. You know how how do you want your customers to view the business in three years time? What do they want? What do you want them to think about you as a business? Uh, what do you want your colleagues to to think about the business mm. uh, and also your competitors you know to take looking at it from those three different standpoints is really interesting because you'll get different answers uh, from each of them and, and it will again really fuel the the strategy thinking process that's going to follow that's that's interesting because I don't think people think about how they want to be viewed by their customers and certainly don't think about how they want to be viewed by their competitors you know at best they might say well we want to be a great place to work obviously impact on colleagues but it tends to be very much driven around we want our turnover there to be this we want our market share to be this and actually that doesn't mean a lot unless you think you know we want our customers to love us 
yeah. like our competitors to admire us, all those kind of things are yeah. so much more inspirational, aren't they? Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, positive too. Yes. Of course, the financials you talked about are, are, are key. Still, those financial targets are key, aren't they? But, but as you say, wrapping around those old thoughts about how we want competitors, we want competitors to be envious of us, don't we, uh, as, yeah. as we move forward as a business? Because we've got, going back to all those things that we're looking at doing, because competitors can't copy it, because we've got the best people in the industry. We've got people who want to work for us and not work for our competitors. That's the position we want to get to. Um, I think as we go through the further steps in the, in, in the, in the practical strategy, also to have those thoughts so early on will mean that we can keep saying yes but is that going to enable is that going to make our customers love us for example yeah pick one out um and and keep coming back to that all the time rather than just focusing on whatever around the financials perhaps it it, it will definitely absolutely it will definitely drive out ideas you say if you about customers loving is that will drive initiatives that we need to do to enable that to happen if we if we're saying that we want um uh our people to be the envy of our competitors, then that's going to drive a whole bunch of HR activities that perhaps we're going to need to as a business to, to move us in that mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it will, thinking about this early on will we'll definitely shape thoughts that come in the following steps. And being able to generate the measurements as well to what you, um, to how you, how you, how you judge their results. So yeah. it's all right to say, I want to be, I want our customers to think of us in this way. How do we measure that? You know what? 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 How do we want our custom, our own staff to think that we're the best co- company to work for in the world? How are we going to measure that? Yeah. I know we're working with a, again a, a, a large IT IT company in Sheffield. Um, you know, you must they must have seen the tech team looking at the sales guys, thinking these sales guys are earning loads of money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where, where where's how do we get recognised for what we do? Because actually, we're we're the heart and soul of this business. Without without this tech team, you know, customers don't get the service that they want and. Um, and the whole process falls down. So, you know, being being a big sort of Americanized industry, they have they have values awards. So they they present awards at, at monthly and quarterly meetings based on based on the strengths of people's attitudes and behaviours within in that business. All fully measurable, you know, and and it gave everyone a, a real boost and something to aim for and a reason to be part of the business other than a financial yes. target. It was a you know. So it's a way of measuring the something around the the, the colleague involvement and yeah. engagement. Absolutely, and then I mean that's that kind of links into the the final sort of two steps. Around step two, sorry about that. Um, the final two areas in step two, um, and and that's really looking at your short term goals and your medium term yeah. goals, uh, understanding where you want to get to. And that can be a combination of financial, but but also as we've talked about non financial uh, things as well. Uh, which you'll wrap measures around later on in the process, yeah. but definitely thinking about where you want to be. Short term, I'd say, yeah, probably the next 12 months. Um, medium term, probably two years, two yeah. to three years, something like that. Uh, and that's important to frame the, the, the next steps coming up. Yeah, I've used that. I, I've used this with companies that aren't used to planning even a year ahead. I've often started with a strategy piece so that they've kind of got one eye on the something a little bit further um, ahead of them and then bring that back into okay so let's think about this in slightly easier steps can sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming but often you know by then starting to plan for the next six to twelve months it helps them um, come up with something really positive it's it's always going to be a shift in the right direction because they're mindful of okay well ha- you know we've already set out where we want to be in three years are we going to get there quicker by doing this in the next 12 months and it, it actually makes it easier to do that if you've got kind of a view as to where you'd like to be um, that bit further ahead. 
Absolutely. So it's easy, yeah. Easy, easy steps rather than one big leap. Because yeah. I, otherwise, I, I say, you know, you're not going to wake up in three years' time and you're going to be there. You've got to decide how you're going to get on that journey, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It's like winning. You've got to win every football match to win the league. <laughs> get it in there! <laughs> get back, get in the back of the <laughs> Don't even like football. <laughs> So, uh, step three uh, next, and that's all about the competition. Now, we've, we've talked about this a lot already, so actually we won't go through it again, but um, it's, it's there because it's such an essential part of, of creating your practical strategy. So just a reminder of the sorts of questions that um, need to be considered in this step is, who are your competitors? We, we talked about that earlier. Uh, the, the now competitors and the potential competitors that may emerge, but also the, particularly the not-so-obvious competitors. Mm. Um, uh, so uh, that's all in that question. Then really moving on, how are we better than and different from them at the moment? Um, or And also, how can we become better and different from them? So it's, it's a sort of analysis about the present, but it's also more important actually to look into the future because it may be the case that, you, you know, when you analyse your competitors as a business, you're not um, that much ahead of them. You might be behind in many areas. Um, so it's really a statement of understanding of how you can actually... Um, outstrip your competitors, overtake your competitors in ways that are meaningful for your customers. It's also important uh, around the competition to understand how you are, where you are behind the comp your competitors at the moment um, and understanding the steps, the actions you can take to, to catch up and overtake. Um, Do you think that this, the, the, this is kind of the bit where, you know, I'm just thinking about the competitors and it's not, people, if you said to someone, right, who are your competitors, they might reel off a few names, but going back to your point about understanding the less obvious ones, to think about your prospect customers or your customers. You know, when are they going to choose to use your, what services or product it is that your business offers? You know, what's their alternatives? Because that's your competitor, isn't it? So um, I wish I could think of a really great example, but, you know, it could be that you offer something that's, um, a, you know, a per person-related service. And actually the competitor in that environment could be the, your customer doing it for themselves type of thing so it's again it's not it's not necessarily an obvious thing but that's that's where you need to be always better than what what their alternative is yes it is yeah absolutely and and you'll you'll get that from from working through the strategy won't you because yeah. you'll, you'll be in step one you you're understanding your competitors and getting the information about what they're up to but you're also understanding your customers of what they need because it's the yeah. two that go hand in hand, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. you've got to deliver things better than your competitors, but in things that your customers want rather than things that your customers don't want. Yeah. And then in step three, which we're talking about here, that's when you'll you'll really analyse that, um, understand where you are uh, against your competitors, and where you need to be, where you need to improve, and, mm -hmm. and the steps you need to take to get greater competitive advantage. What's your? Do you think, John, this? Is it damaging sometimes or, or is it healthy for a business who is selling a product or service or a behaviour as as a USP when actually it isn't a USP? It's just something that they do well in a in a in a, in a marketplace that other people do the same. Is is that a healthy thing? Is that is that normal practice? Do you think people should actually sometimes they actually do you know what? We we don't do anything unique, we just do what other people do but really, really well. You know, what where's the where's that line sit? I think, yeah, it's a it's a very good question and something that I've yeah, thought about a lot over the years. It's, it, I think having um, doing something well in a market will will def what we what we're not saying here is if you don't spend enough time thinking about competitive positioning, you won't create a business of a certain size 
and, and maybe to the level that you want, that's fine. Um, you know, by, by doing something really well in the industry, uh, we'll take, we'll, we'll, you will almost certainly create a business and it, it may, be, may be the level of success that you want to achieve. What we're saying is if you really want to achieve that growth and, and, and push your business on to you know, much further levels, then you've got to be thinking about your competitive positioning because I think without it, it will only take you so far. And if it, it's proven by, if you look at all the big businesses out there, they always start with how are they different, thinking different and how are they different and actually pushing that through in a way that um, appeals to their customers, the consumers or whatever. Uh, and that's how they achieve the, the tremendous success. So that's how they outstrip the, the level of success you'll get if you, if you don't spend time looking at that. It's, yeah, it's, it's a good point because it's not to say you won't achieve a business of a certain size if you don't spend time uh, really analysing this, if you just do it well. Do you not think, though, that actually by doing something really, really well in your marketplace, that's about building credibility, which then allows you to steal competitive advantage at a later stage? So going back to your point about, well, we could do the same as our competitor, but just really well. It's that building of that credibility and trust and and seen as being, you know, just a fantastic company to deal with that actually then gives you an advantage later on. So by, also, by, also by doing something really well, you may actually be doing something or a number of things better than your competitors without realising it. Yeah. Because actually, you, you know, for example... I know just a simple simple example. If if you're in a business where you know reliability of, of a service provider is key, mm. um, you may not know have a, a real handle on the reliability of your competitors. But actually, what may be going on is they're letting customers down. But because you're very reliable, then actually you're winning that business. Um, mm. And actually, you have got a competitive advantage there. It may not how sustainable that is. Is you, you know you need to know that and work at it. But actually, if you may be doing something that's better than your competitors already without really knowing about mm -hmm. it, which is enabling you to have that success. That comes back to having good competitor insight, though, isn't yeah. it? To understand what it's like to be their customer. Better to know that you're doing it, because then you yeah. can do something about it. You can shout you, about it as well. Well, yes, you can shout about it. And it, but if you don't, if, also if you don't know, you, you, you perhaps won't spend time working at that and making sure it's long-term sustainable and, and you may lose it at some point. I think also it goes back to what you mentioned about people coming and copy the outside of your business. So if attitudes and behaviours are better than the rest of the competition, no one can copy that. Hmm. The one thing that this part of the, the, the plan does, I think, is it allows, it allows people to be proud and appreciate what they are really, really good at. Because I, I think often people don't shout about stuff that they're good at. And it's almost like focusing on, if we're, if we're looking at who our competitors are and how we are better than them, then let's tell everybody. Not, I don't mean bringing the competitor down necessarily, but let's tell everybody that we're really great at that. And your example, John, about you know if delivery performances is, is is really really important to customers, and we're perhaps undervaluing that in a way, but we're good at it. Then let's tell people. Uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. The thing we perhaps didn't say around competitive positioning is once you've got your central theme, that one sentence, and you've got your value proposition, it, that you then push it through everything yeah. that you do. It, it has to has to pervade everything you do as a business because if you just keep it to yourself it's it's useless so you've <laughs> got to you've got to be pushing it out in all your marketing activity i think i did say your sales guys it needs to be written practically so your sales guys can weave it into conversations with with customers so actually they they understand mm. but as you say without knocking any competitors it's just done in a way of this is what we do um so it's got to it's got to push out and, and everybody who's in the office customer sales and service but everybody everybody who's playing every colleague is playing an important part important role in the business They've all got to understand this so that whenever they're in contact with customers or have an opportunity, they can talk about it 
uh, and that's that's when you really uh, get it working hard for your business. Yeah. You see, I think you mentioned we've had this conversation previously, John, when it comes to um, uh, a company's values. That actually, what 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 your customer wants to be able to feel is all of your values without you saying one of them. Uh, and I think that's the real sweet spot when you when you. You, you, your attitudes and your behaviours are your values mm-hmm. rather than just saying, well, I, I like to be accountable, responsible, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I see this quite often in, in many businesses that I go in, small and medium businesses, and, you know, there's, there's, there's values blaring all over the walls and, you know, and all through the marketing literature, mm. um, and, you know, that sometimes they're not being expressed in, mm. in attitudes and behaviours, and, and it doesn't, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of hard work to, to do that piece of work, also, it's a bit of wasted time as well if if you're not yeah. fulfilling if or if you're not carrying that through. It's interesting to know actually what your comp- what your customers do value and what they what their perception is of you as a business because often that's actually where the true values are, isn't it? Yeah. And that's down to the people and the leaders and everything. So that's step three. It's interesting that we said we weren't going to talk about the competition very much. <laughs> step three, but I think it's a really good point to make is, is how how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. Businesses miss, miss it, out. and it's so cr- crucial. So. I think it shows how, yeah, how important it is to us uh, when we're working with businesses to, to help them create their practical practical strategy. Should we move on to step four though? Um, otherwise, we could talk about the competition element all day. Step four is where you're starting to build your your practical strategy, and and it's the higher level strategic priorities. Um, so this the, the sort of key questions that are in this section are, who are we targeting as a business? Um, that's really important. Again, it's a lot of, something a lot of businesses um, don't focus enough time on. You hear a lot of businesses say, "Well, we're targeting everybody." Everyone. Uh, but, um, <laughs> Good luck yeah. with that one. <laughs> but but you know you've got to be realistic because even just the practical things, you don't have the money and you don't have the time to target everybody. Let alone whether actually you can make profits out of everybody. That's the, pretty important. And whether what you've got is 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 uh, attractive to to every customer within your market. So really, it's much better to have a number of strong niches uh, where you can actually um, really come across as the, the company that people want to deal with and, and generate profits there rather than thinking you're going to you know, target everybody because it's just not practical. And this section is also about uh, looking at the new market opportunities and the new product and service opportunities. So all the information that you've looked at in step one when you've been looking at the market, the competitors, the customers, your SWOT analysis, your pest analysis, the competition, all of this is really coming into play now. It's looking back at that information and also the information about you as a business, how you performed over the last 12 months and your strengths and, and really identifying what are the attractive opportunities for, for your business for the next 12 months, brainstorming those. And you'll, you'll come out with far too many. You know, you'll make them out with 20, 30 different priorities that you could be taking advantage of. Um, and then later, so later on in the process, the final step is really focusing in on what are the mm. sort of five or six really attractive priorities for your business for this year. Uh, so don't worry if in step four you're getting loads and loads of stuff out, uh, that's normal. Uh, and then you can um, narrow it down to the real hot opportunities mm-hmm. uh, later on. Okay, and then step five. Step five goes hand in hand with step four really because it's still looking at priorities, but it's having done that high level thinking about new markets, new products, new services, what type of customers we're targeting, and also what, what challenges are, there, there may be some challenges that are specific to your business which also you need to come out in step four, I should have mentioned that. The next step five is looking at the priorities by individual business areas. So when we say business area we mean sales, marketing, HR, operations, 
finance, supply chain, IT. And a final one uh, we'd all, always add is the workplace, because it's, which kind of links into HR, but it's always good to, you know, uh, making sure that you've got a really um, strong... purpose. Yeah, fit for purpose workplace for doing your business, but also an environment which encourages mm. colleagues to work to a really high level that you want as well. Mm. So we'd always add workplace on there at the end. And, and the sort of two or three key questions that you ask under each of those, so you take each of them in turn, sales, marketing, HR, so on, and it's really about, with all the information you've got so far in, in the strategy process, you know, what do you need to do in each of these areas to take advantage mm. of the big opportunities that you identified in step four? It's like the how. Yes, it is. It's a how by, by each area. How do we Absolutely. do it? So if you, if you, way back we talked about, um, you know, uh, how we want to be perceived in a year or two years' time by our competitors, one of the things could be that we want to have colleagues working with us at the envy of competitors that they'd love to have working for them. Uh, this is under HR here, this is actually, you'd be um, working out what would be the two, three, four activities you need to do this year in order to push you in that direction. That's what comes out of, of step five. Um, and then a really um, sort of a more general question around each of the areas is what further improvements can you make in each of these functional areas in order to drive the bottom line. So this is, it's, as, as with all of the strategy, it's very practical, it's very commercially focused, so it's all about looking at your HR and what else can you do to actually um, drive the bottom line through um, improving the quality of your team, the skills of your team, and so on, things like that. Yeah, I think this, this sometimes, going back to the um, step two, where it was like, where do we want to get to? If people will ever struggle over that section from an internal point of view, so they might think about their customers and that, but this this is often a good prompt, isn't it, to think, well, actually, it could come back to the people, for example, or, it, you know, one of the things that we talked about there was supply chain, it could be around performance. Um, so this, this, this is perhaps, a, you know, it's a good chance to revisit what some of those things are that we might want to aspire to be over the next few years. It is. By absolutely. looking at the more detail yeah. about our organisation. Yeah, it, it is about this set five is, is the detail, you know, we, we've sort of been coming down sort of a funnel, haven't we? So we, we're getting more and more details as we yeah. go through the steps and this is the detail. So on sales, it's understanding about your different sales channels and your different customers within those sales channels and mm. understanding where, given all the information we've got, where are the big opportunities that we can take advantage of. So it's that level of detail that comes into step five. Um, so just an example around, around HR that we said, if you want, uh, you know, Every, the objective of every business should be to have their team that's superior to their competitors. Um, your people as one of your key competitive advantages. So that needs excellent systems for things like recruitment <laughs> and training, mm. uh, motivation, uh, retention as well. Retention an area that a lot of businesses don't really focus on. Um, so you until end up until it's too late. Yeah, until it's too late. Until <laughs> people are walking out the door. So you so you end up with a a really strong strategy, really strong actions uh, that will enable you to attract the people that your competitors would love mm. to have, but then you also keep them for over the longer term, so actually they don't feel the need to move on to any of, their comp of your competitors. Um, and the key message around all of that is grow with us, so the strategy is all about growing, and the people can grow, so that's that's really uh, sort of an example around um, uh, sort of detail that can come around HR uh, in this step five. Yeah, it, I, I often ask people, it, particularly if it's like a role that they need to recruit for that's very industry specific so it could be that they need some technical skills or it could be that they need someone that's got the contacts in the marketplace and I always ask them you know what are your competitors doing do you know people in your competitors that are really good at this 
And I just get blank faces often. But I think, again, it's about being aware of what's happening out there, isn't it? So, you know, for example, a sales director should know who's competing with his team in customers in, in the marketplace and therefore be able to see some really, really good quality people that even if you don't necessarily want to, you don't feel it's appropriate to go and poach them, but you can, this is what a great person looks like for my team because that's the difficulty. People then become so generic with what they're trying to recruit and they fail at it yeah. rather than thinking these skills are what we need in our business, um, you know, and, and to, to be able to see it, to see those people and what they look like um, but you know, it feels it almost just feels as though it's alien to to people to even consider that. So they'll look at a competitor to very top level, but not actually be interested in what's underneath. Final step in the in the in the practical strategy um, process is focus. Um, so steps one to five, all about looking at um, yeah, analyzing all of the information from all the various sources, and then coming up with a, a, a huge range of good ideas, opportunities, attractive opportunities for your business. And as I said a bit earlier, step, step six is really where you focus. So you, you take all of the, the ideas and opportunities that have come out and you um, focus on the five or six big things probably uh, that are going to form the basis of your strategy. It's going to really push your company forward for the next 12 months and achieve um, the biggest value creation for you. Um, and then there may be a range of smaller activities that you'd focus that's also come out of the process. But you know, five or six big activities to do in a year is probably... Uh, enough, you know, more than enough. Um, it, again, we see businesses who try to take on, mm. you know, fifteen, twenty big things in a year, and it's just, it's just not possible. So you end up doing many of them, not to the extent that you want, or you feel dissatisfied because actually, uh, or the team feels dissatisfied because you haven't been able to achieve all of those. So, um, I, I think this is so critical to the whole process for one, for two reasons. First of all, is that people can be completely overwhelmed if there's so much going on. And I think secondly yeah. is keep the message simple for your team so they know, so they're not thinking, yes. oh, why are we doing this? Bit? Oh, this is because of that reason, isn't it? This is because of that priority, this is that project. Rather than actually thinking, oh, we've got two main concepts here. I can keep coming back to each of those really simply. And, you know, that, that comes down to breaking, you know, if you've got six things that are really important and that are going to lead to success, then break them down into steps so that people can be really, really clear. It's all about keeping it simple, isn't it? It is, yeah. So you'll have identified a lot of exciting opportunities. Um, you won't be able to do all of them, so just identify those top priorities. And then final stage is wrap your key targets and measures uh, around it that you want to hit from implementing the strategy. So the, the, this is when the financial measures and targets come in. Mm -hmm. So the two key outputs from the, from the practical strategy uh, approach is, first of all, a practical strategy. So actually a document which has got your practical strategy for the next 12 months. But then it's really, really important that you convert that into a into an action plan. Um, so the strategy doesn't become a document that kind of gets put away in a filing cabinet or in a drawer and gathers dust. But by creating that action plan, which is a living document, you, you can actually use that to drive the implementation of the strategy in your business over the next 12 months. You can have regular checkpoints, understanding how you're um, are progressing against that, um, and um, yeah, just tracking, review, and evolve. Uh, so that living action plan is essential um, at final step once you've got your practical strategy document. Yeah, and I, you know, that that can ripple down as well into into the the smaller teams, so that you know what they're focused on right now 
is, is aligned to that overall yeah. strategy yeah. and that's vital again it makes it helps people understand what they're doing today and how that's helping the direction yeah. um, but also it means that everybody's pulling in the right direction so they're going to get there sooner absolutely it's a, it's a, it's quite a low level of detail the actual plan actually but um, yeah it does exactly that what you just said there mm. So we've got our practical strategy and our action plan now, and obviously the next important phase of, um, of strategy is the implementation. Uh, we talked earlier about the fact that strategy is not a, a, a sort of an annual exercise, not a one-off exercise each year. Yes, uh, there's a lot of effort put in at the beginning um, creating that strategy for the year, but then it's really important that um, it's something that's, that's there uh, for you in the business all along and um, making an ongoing commitment to spending time having strategy conversations throughout the year is invaluable. Um, not least because you'll be wanting to um, track and review progress against um, the strategy and how things are going in terms of implement implementation. Yeah. Um, so the, as I mentioned, the Living Action Plan gives you that. Uh, it's, a, it's a tool which you can drive your business forward with during the year. Uh, you can sit down regularly with your senior team and, and all colleagues across the business to review how you're doing um, and evolve it as you need because whilst you've put a lot of thought into strategy for the year, as we said earlier, things change as we go through the year, the market's dynamic. Setbacks. And, yeah, things may not things, go yep. wrong. Yep. Your competitors may do some things differently yep, than you anticipated. Expected. So it's important that you remain retain that flexibility and if certain things aren't working, evolve them, tweak them, change them. Um, to make sure you, you, you still achieve the targets, the financial targets that you set out at the beginning of the year mm. with that strategy. Um, and all the way through, um, continuously learning and improving. That's really that's really what's important, isn't it? That, uh, yeah. It's also, as well it engenders as the, that, doesn't it, in the yeah. teams to constantly be thinking about, uh, yeah, okay, they've got, they've got a focus because they know what we're trying to achieve, but just to be open-minded about stuff and see things and think, is this... You know, how can we make that work in the business or look at how can we do things better? It's all about that, creating that learning environment so that people are always looking at how we can improve, isn't it? It is. So this has been such great, you know, the great stuff in terms of understanding the massive benefits. It makes you think how do businesses actually succeed without having a strategy. And, you know, we can all think about successful businesses that we, we know, as, um, know of as consumers um, so why on earth would somebody not do a strategy? What what fears them? Do you think, or or why do strategies fail even? Yeah, you, you do. I mean, you do hear about um, companies that create a strategy and then sort of get to the end of the year and say it hasn't worked for them, don't you? And um, when they look back, and um, there's there's obviously been a lot of research done around around this uh, amongst small and medium sized businesses, and um, not surprisingly, there's, there's kind of five reasons why strategies don't work for businesses and, and we've probably covered off the positive sides of what you need to do to make sure you avoid these pitfalls as we've gone through the process actually because the first one, um, the first main reason is the strategy is created by a few within a company and then imposed on the rest. And of course we've talked a lot about we, the richness of the process of involving well everybody from the business really it, to varying degrees really, yeah. and that's key. So when you, if it's just created by the business owner or the business owner plus a couple of senior team and then uh, presented as a fait accompli, that's, not, that's rarely going to work. It's, it's, a, it's a real risk that it could fail, actually. Yeah. 
And the and because the, the first question in that environment is almost you know it comes from people saying, well, how are we going to do that? That's not going to work because of this reason, and you can hear it. And you know, as you say, if they feel like it's being imposed in them, that's the first barrier they'll put up. Plus, also by doing that, you you won't have got all the richness of the of the ideas that's within your team through no, through the process. So you'll be missing out on that as well as, uh, yeah, the the unpleasant feeling of of colleagues feeling they're being done to mm. and not being involved in the process. Um, the second reason uh, why strategies fail is because leaders fail to explain why the strategy is needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they again they just say. Yeah, they don't explain the reasons of what they're trying to achieve, mm. and it's all about getting that compelling reason, kind of compelling direction that people can get excited about, can't they, and, and want to be a part of and, and help deliver. Um, let's get to let's get a group target and let's get to one million pounds this year. Why? What's yeah. what's, what's one million pounds? Exactly. You know, <laughs> Why is that who, important? Who what gets what for one million pounds? What's, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? You know, what is it that you're into? Yeah. Mm. Um, the third reason, which we uh, only talked about a few minutes ago, is the fact that uh, so many strategies then don't get translated into actions, um, and therefore they sit on a shelf or in a cupboard and they gather dust, and you know, people suddenly remember nine months into the thing that they created a strategy and dust it down. But that's why it's so vital in our in our process. We always trans we always translate the practical strategy document into uh, a detailed action plan because then you're um, making it clear how everyone's going to play a role in that and you're also making sure that actually the strategy is going to get implemented. Yeah, it's like going back to the football thing. It's like saying, we're going to win this match, but we're not going to say how. We're not going to determine why. Hmm. So, you know, it, 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 surely a strategy without actions or an action plan is just a... Yeah, it's just a I'd like to be there. It's like a wish, yeah, isn't it? It is a wish, yeah. The how, yeah. The how is critical and yeah. that's what the action plan is, mm. yeah. Um, fourth fourth reason why strategies fail is that leaders make a big speech about strategy at the beginning and then they fade into the background as Ooh, they go through the yeah, year yeah I've seen um, this happen before it's almost yeah. like they lose interest isn't it whereas actually if it's engaging in, in the first place and it's the right strategy then there's no opportunity to lose interest because it's taking you yeah. along the course isn't it yeah absolutely you've got to keep talking about it You know what we said a few minutes ago about the fact that strategy is not a once a year exercise and you've got to make the commitment to having strategy conversations throughout the year there's no point in spending all the time to create the strategy and then you don't talk about it for the next 12 months until mm. time to make the next strategy. That's not what it's about. It's, 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 you know, it's something that should be driving your business all the time, so therefore you've got to talk about it. Uh, you've got to talk about progress with people. You know, If you have quarterly company update meetings with your team, you know, talk about progress against your, your strategy and how things are doing. Um, and always be approachable for other people if they want to talk to you about uh, yeah. anything that was in the strategy and uh, how things are going. Comes back to that simple message, doesn't it? So you know, if that's our theme for this for the next twelve months is to talk about our strategy that we've spent a lot of time involving people in, talking them through it, everybody understands how they can contribute, then just keeps just that same message all the time. This is what we want to achieve, this is how we're this is how we're whether we, you know we're how we're on course or not. Absolutely. And final final reason why strategies fail is because of politics. <laughs> As always, um, yeah, within the team, yeah, within the yeah, senior team or, or within the teams down there. But again, you, you'll avoid that if you are involving everybody in the process and getting getting all that richness out of it. Um, but you know, I've seen politics so many times in, in businesses, and uh, sometimes that's when politics can rear its head. And it is. you know, you don't need that in any organisation. So no, but different if, decision. 
But if you follow the, you know, the thorough process where everybody's involved, then actually you will avoid that. So it's really so. Those are the f five main reasons why strategies fail. But it's really important to avoid the pitfalls, and I think everything that we've talked about um, during this podcast uh, is showing you how you will avoid uh, uh, those issues, so that your strategy is a is a strong success for your business. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends and family. And if you'd like to know more about Fresh Thinking and the services that we provide, you can join us at one of our regular workshops. Full details are listed on Eventbrite. We hope to see you there.